um, that you just like throw it over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a positive pressure kind of thing. It might be that it's just like a lot more expensive. Yeah, probably. Kind of so we it's were just like, uh, you know, we were we were trying to it. brainstorm on what sort of a uh, uh, rest could work with beards and we we pretty much settled on the old-fashioned uh like scuba helmet <laughs> it's really yeah, the only and, option <laughs> yeah and that can get pretty impractical pretty quickly especially if you're uh, yeah. cause a, a lot of times you know the guys that are like as, as an engineer i'm you know every once in a while i have to go in with a respirator um but it's usually like more inspection type stuff and there's guys in there like welding or, or doing actual like real work and they're yeah. like tucked underneath, hanging fried by their legs, using a mirror to weld. <laughs> you know, the bigger and bulkier their equipment is, is uh, makes it more difficult. So, yeah, do they not I mean, have like totally... a like oxygen masks for the welders? I know some of the guys in in our shop, like in the in the welding pit, they had these things that like they were on a cable basically uh, to a yeah, like, like a, a huge oxygen supply somewhere far away from the heat. Yeah, well, it, it would depend on on what's going on. There's something I recall going under fresh air. Um, so yeah, and I've done that before. It was like an H2S leak I was looking at, and so uh, that that stuff is really, really, really bad. Um, yeah, that's so fair. They give they give you fresh air and kind of it's 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 pretty fun to <laughs> <laughs> play around with that kind of um, not with the H2S, but play around with the uh, being under fresh air. And and you breathe very nicely because you're getting nice fresh oxygen pumped right into a into a face piece. Oh yeah, I'm sure you feel better than you ever do anytime. Yeah, you're yeah. like if this breaks, I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that, but uh, you know, a... I've also done the uh, in my last job I was on the uh, rescue team, um, and so I had to go to fire school for a week, and uh, it's you like wear the whole bunker gear you're like you you're wear all the fireman stuff and you wear the uh, scba and you go in there with the wearing going wearing the oxygen tank and uh and breathing on that yeah. going through the uh they call it like the smokehouse so it's this little mm-hmm. maze you got to crawl through and it's everything's painted black they close it all up so it's totally pitch black and then they add smoke in there and the only thing you can see is the light the red light blinking of the scba of the guy in front of you they make oh, it so geez. that you have to hold your left hand on the wall to find your way around because if you let go, you'll just immediately become disoriented. And so, like, wow. you're, you're kind of crawling around and you'll hit your head on something and, like, do I got to go <laughs> up or down? And you're, you're, like, feeling your way through. It's, uh, Man. I was, and of course, that was the first thing they made you do just to, like, all right, have fun. <laughs> yeah, good grief. But it, it was, it was a blast. That's honestly what I imagine space to be like and why I would never want to be in space. <laughs> yeah, you got to get over the claustrophobia real mm. quick because it's and, and you know, the disorientation and that's where you just got to really relax and not because it would be so easy to panic. I'm gonna, yeah. easy to panic. I, I, if I ever do that, I'll practice leading up to it by doing shrooms every couple of days. <laughs> man as soon as you like panic in that situation too you just spiral yeah exactly yeah, yeah you're really bad truth. and, and <laughs> the other part and i don't want to like cannibalize all the time talking about this stuff <laughs> no worries like one of the like we were doing like live fire training too and so they had like a uh 
basically a flare of like flames going 20 feet in the air in front of us and we did the uh um had two two uh hose lines coming in with a big spray pattern from each one so you got the guy who's holding you know the nozzle and the guy behind him who's you know giving them like the support from the force and so you're standing there and you realize like if i slip because it's hard it's a lot of force pushing you back and it's like if someone slips or messes up and that hose is no longer like making a wall of water we're getting fire in our faces um, so that's where it's like you really i think that's why they put us in the in the in the darker or the smokehouse first because it's like you gotta gotta like learn to relax and stay calm and, and not panic because if you do if you do panic then <laughs> everybody <get> dies <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now we're wearing all the bunker gear and everything, so we're, you know we have some protection. But but still, it's right. not something. I don't want to test the effectiveness of that necessarily. Yeah, right. no kidding. Welcome to Revolution Solution, providing you with solutions for your revolution to be a free person in an unfree world. Join us in our pursuit of sovereignty through permaculture, technology, and community. I said some uh, some pretty interesting questions. And no, I'll this is all right Cody. Ah, I'll say it right now. Yeah, I don't he... think I can answer all of them, but no, I think. <laughs> all right. To, yeah. We'll yeah. So much of this is hypothetical, else. but I'm just. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing that I haven't heard come up yet. So. Yeah. No. It's all. It's all interesting stuff, and I appreciate it. And um, it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun doing all this stuff so far. So. Yeah, it's been it's been really good. Like as you've gone through the series and kind of the things that come up for me as far as questions and concerns end up getting handled by you know the next guest or uh, a heavily armed clown on Lavera covered a lot of the the stuff that I was still wondering about. And it's just like you know at this point I'm just being a pussy and not committing. <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the excuses anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's I mean, I was, I had, like I said early on, I was like, oh, I like my guy who does my IRA. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to, and it's like, mm -hmm. have to, there's these metal blocks that you got to get over, and, and it's, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, just admitting that, getting to the point where it's like, you know what, I really don't have an excuse anymore. I mean, that, that is a, a step in the positive direction. So, um, you know, we all get there on our own time. Yeah, well, yeah. on the bright side, that you have an opportunity to find a, a tax accountant who you like to deal with all your Bitcoin stuff. <laughs> I don't have. He's not an accountant. He was just a like a, more of a financial planner. So I need to. I do need to get an accountant. Yeah, I need one too for all my business stuff. I just winged it myself on TurboTax last year for self and two businesses. Yeah, I've been using TurboTax for basically everything 
yeah. for my entire life. And uh, it's it's starting to get interesting and complicated enough where it's like, I need to have someone that knows a little bit more what's going on. Yeah. And I yeah. can't wait because I'm going to be I'm going to be his. Uh, I'm sure there's not going to be many people like me where it's like, all right, tell me what you're doing. All right, let me tell you. What I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't really use dollars, so <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you, oh, okay, cool. You went all in. It means you, uh, you know. It is, uh, but but like, how much do you have in your checking account? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let's get into that because that's, I mean, first question right off the bat was, I know you're using Strike. A lot of people are using Strike. Um, do they actually count all the withdrawals as sales? Like if you no. if you move to your own, no. Okay. Yeah. So I actually haven't sold on Strike yet. Um, my strategy has been shifting, or has shifted a little bit from when I first started. Um, hmm. And we could talk about that if you want. Um, sure. Because I don't um, know. Well, well, yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of confusion around what get on zero means. It's not like it is this one thing and that is it. It's it's this idea right. that the, the dollar is so bad um, for a lot of reasons, um, but it's so bad that you want to not hold it anymore. Um, so whatever you got to do um, to minimize to the point of you know zero that you're holding dollars. So the way I do it now is that I use Strike, and Strike has a nice little feature where you can direct deposit into the app. And there's a little slider that you can slide between 0% Bitcoin that automatically convert, gets converted to 100%. Um, and so when I'm living my day-to-day -day life, I use a normie credit card. Um, and so I put everything on credit. I, have, I also have a, uh, a HELOC, and, which is very helpful. Obviously, that's not going to be everyone's situation that they're going to be able to have a HELOC. But for things that are like transfers out of like my uh, checking account for like ACH stuff, like I've got some like disability insurance um, and term uh, life insurance and my mortgage, uh, know when it's due. So I put little reminders in my calendar and I just transfer the money however much I need, like the day before from the HELOC into the checking account. Mm -hmm. And then it, and it pulls it when it's time for it. I also have it set up. I um, This is happening through a uh, credit union. I also have it set up. I have a credit card with the credit union. So in case uh, there's an unexpected transfer out of the checking account, I have it set up that the credit card forwards, uh, does like a cash forward to the checking account. Oh, so that's like that your overdraft account. protection? Yes. Okay. Um, they don't let me do it. The they don't let me do it with the HELOC. So this is the next best thing. No, that um, makes sense. And if I have to pay if I have to pay, you know, 10 cents interest on that, like I, I don't really care. Um, right. So I float, I, what I call, I, oh, I call, I call, I call, I float everything on the HELOC basically in credit cards. And then I get paid twice a month, the 15th of the month and the last day of the month, depending on, you know, weekends and everything. And when I have money, when I have a balance on the HELOC, I try to estimate you know how much that's going to be and slide the slider over and uh convert what i need to transfer um fiat back to my uh credit union account where i can pay off the heloc and then the rest of it goes to bitcoin so usually i do that 
I put the slider all the way to uh, 100% Bitcoin for the first paycheck of the month. Because my expenses are the way they are, that it's like one paycheck of the month covers uh, the rest of the expenses. Um, I also eliminated using the escrow service through my mortgage company. That opens up a lot of cash flow into Bitcoin. I don't have to an extra chunk of money into that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically my strategy. The strategy I did before was that I was going, putting everything into Bitcoin, and I would use various services to um, I'd use BitRefill to buy uh, gift cards for, for a lot of stuff. And, it, and it's nice because the gift card you can use on your, on your cell phone. So when you're there at checkout or something, you pop it up and they, and they use it. Um, and then also using PayWithMoon, where you can buy Visa gift cards over the Lightning Network. And they were for online purchases only. But a lot of us, a lot of our spending happens on online, so it was useful. Uh, and then for things where I needed actual, you know, like, call it cash, but still digital uh, dollars, like for the mortgage and other stuff, um, I was still floating with the HELOC and everything. But I would um, do peer-to-peer -peer with friends um, for a lot of it and sell them Bitcoin, and they would send me money, send me dollars, and then also use BISC once or twice, which is a peer-to-peer -peer, um, thing. I actually, the reason why I stopped doing that um, wasn't because, so it's funny, I went on zero when the price of Bitcoin was about $60,000, mm -hmm. and it's gone yeah. down ever since. And <laughs> even when I was spending Bitcoin directly, um, I went. I was down a little bit of Bitcoin, but really not that much. Um, because remember, even if the market's going down, you're getting paid when it's going down. So you're spending, but also getting, you know, buying Bitcoin at a, at the lower price. Mm -hmm. But um, the reason I stopped doing that was I got concerned about random several hundred to several thousand dollar uh, transfers into my account. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're, they're like red flags and then using bisc like I, I like bisc i'm not trying to trash bisc i think it's a great service right. um and i i bought more bitcoin than i've sold on bisc um but the problem is you're like you, you have to give information to the other person on the trade and bisc is there's there's a low enough uh, volume on that it would be really easy for the government to be like really easy, really cheap for the government to put a bunch of offers on BISC and let people take them. And then if you're using Zelle, which is what it looks like the majority of people use, is you get their email address and then when you do the Bitcoin transaction for the trade you get their address, like a Bitcoin address associated with them. So right. the email address, it's like you just go to the Zelle service and, and the bank that it's going through and you say like, all right, whose account is this? And then you can nab them for, for tax fraud and tax evasion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's a risk that I realized it was like, it's not a guarantee. Like, I'm not saying that if you use BISC, you're going to get trapped in a honeypot or something. But it's a risk that's out there that you got to, you got to, you know, deal with yeah. and also you know by doing it the strategy that i do that i'm not really selling bitcoin right now um it defends me against drops in the price so if i'm only ever buying and not selling then then you know it doesn't matter if the price is, is dropping on me 
That said, I do okay. want to do more buying directly with Bitcoin. So if I mm -hmm. can, you know, if I can pay directly with Bitcoin for something, then then yeah, I'll do that. Um, it helps with privacy moving forward because as soon as you, you know, if you receive Bitcoin for goods and services, then like there's no way to know where that's going unless someone's reporting it, and mm -hmm. you know it's a lot more difficult to do that when you're you know um, doing that. In, in what's called like the circular Bitcoin economy. Uh, so hopefully I can start getting people to pay me in Bitcoin more for, you know, I'm out with friends or something and, you know, someone buys dinner and, um, you know, they can send me, send me sats or I send them sats for it. So that's kind of in a nutshell what's going on because you can, and, and, and I know I've been rambling for a while, um, but uh, what, where I brought all that up was because there's a lot of people that think get on zero means that you have to be selling Bitcoin. You have to be incurring a capital gain. It's, you don't have to do that. It's an option. Um, everyone's situation is different. And, um, you know, as, as more services come online that allow you to just, like, use Bitcoin um, from, like, your quote-unquote checking account where they do conversions automatically for you for money coming in and out, makes it really really a whole lot easier um and so that would be a situation where it's like yeah i mean i'll i'll pay some capital gains on that um if i have to um so once it becomes a little more convenient i'll probably start switching over to that but uh yeah it's uh the idea just forget about the actual strategy because it's up to you to figure that out um get on zero means that you just don't hold fiat anymore bitcoin becomes your money you can have other assets you can have house a house you can even own stocks like if you you know understand if you have a good speculation on a stock if you've got asymmetric mm -hmm. knowledge and like absolutely do that um it's just that instead of like your money becomes bitcoin and you treat the dollars as a really terrible foreign currency <laughs> like it's like if you went to venezuela you wouldn't go there and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in Venezuela for a month, so I better, I better convert all of my money that I have into pay into whatever they use as their currency right now to start, and then just no, you're only gonna sell it, you know, when as you have to, so you don't uh, so much value uh, via inflation down there." So, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I will add to the the BIS discussion um, one criticism, and it's funny because like. When we started talking about Bitcoin on this show, I was kind of like pro bisque for the whole like no, no KYC, at least for that much of it. Um, but one criticism that I did realize, especially after listening to you and uh, Laser Huddle talk, was that even if I use the most private option on BISC, which is the Amazon e-gift cards, I'm like, well, okay, think about that. Yeah, the person you're transacting with now doesn't have like your identity information because it's a private it's a gift card so they keep your stuff off the email but check this out amazon is gonna have a list and they're gonna figure out okay you're sending e-gift cards to random people all the time i bet you're doing bitcoin sales right and and it's gonna be just that system of betting on it kind of like how we were talking about with uh, our friend ortsar who you met at childerberg as well rallo uh on the last episode that we'll release tomorrow um with the advertising ID, it's like, it's not that they know who you are. It's that they can bet based on certain patterns. So, yeah. And they'll just shut you down. Yeah. They'll just, they'll probably just kill your Amazon account first or, you know, right. 
Yeah, and so it's and another thing that, that people get confused is we're, we're not saying that like we like paying taxes. Like we're I'm pretty <laughs> sure like everyone in, on Get On Zero like doesn't like the government. Maybe maybe not everyone's an ANCAP, but at least a lot, whole lot of uh, you know libertarian tendencies and and you know how can you not develop libertarian tendencies being in Bitcoin for a while? Mm -hmm. right. And we don't like KYC, but it's like we use the tools that are available to us. And sometimes you got to play the game because you, you know, because if you, if you go into the dark areas too much and you get caught, then like the consequences are like really, really severe. Not that there's no consequences if, if something goes wrong um, with doing it the way we're suggesting. You're saying that like one of the options are with going the KYC routes and, you know, being on the up and up, but, but like, Bitcoin is totally legal right now. Um, like by by doing whatever you're doing um, without trying to skirt things, it's like you're not doing anything criminal. Uh, and so, and that's not to say the state likes Bitcoin and won't harass you, but you're going to be in a lot different situation if the IRS sends you a letter and says, "Hey, uh, we want to ask you about this activity that's going on. It seems kind of weird." If you can present them with all of whatever they need, say. Hey, I'm on the up and up. Um, that's a lot different of a situation than not being able to produce any of that stuff and knowing that they know that they have dirt on you. Or even right. that they they don't have the dirt on you, they don't really need it because like they're they're they don't operate in in, in a really fair way in that sense. So it's about kind of just like if, picking the right battles to fight and fighting to live to see another day. It's like when people say, oh, you're a libertarian, but you still drive around on government roads. It's like, all right, well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Yeah, that's something that, like, I've been thinking about a lot, especially ever since we got on got on Zero became a popular idea. Is like, the, if, the more that you try to, like, keep this underground and be on Zero and live a normal life like you got to realize that the tax collector and the cops are kind of the same person at the end of the day and if they send if they if they send you a letter you know who's coming next and like unless you're willing to actually like stand your ground and, and fight them off at your front door i i don't really like that's not the life that i want to live either so like i don't know what the plan is if you keep doing that i'm not and i'm not saying that there's never uh, an opportunity to get on KYC Bitcoin, obviously, if you could say, "Hey, Rollo, would you rather have all KYC Bitcoin or all non-KYC?" You know, the choice is obvious. Right. But there's, you just have to knowledge and think about the risks associated with both. Just because you're eliminating some KYC risk by choosing another option, doesn't mean you're not introducing other risk that may or may not be more dangerous to you. So it's just, yeah. it, and that's why you know I always stress, it's like. Yeah, we have. We can tell you what we're doing. We can tell you different strategies, but it's up to you as an individual to understand what your own own situation is and to and to really understand what's going on and really understand all these risks in order to not, you know, walk yourself into some sort of. Yeah, I think really the kind of the baseline risk is you're taking the risk of. Like if you go garage sailing a lot and then you don't report that, technically that's illegal. So you're taking right. that risk, which nobody cares about because we go, it's a garage sale. Yeah. 
but then you're adding the Bitcoin part on top. And I think that's where it gets like, oh, wait a minute. Now I need to think about what's happening here and whether or not that is a risk. Yeah. So that's what I'm gets me. Like, yeah, if I'm doing it in like cash where, you know, my buddy hands me a hundred dollar bill and I send him Bitcoin or even doing like uh Fisk where it's like a couple hundred bucks a month. And like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a garage sale kind of thing. Like, yes, mm -hmm. you technically owe sales tax. Um, or, you know, I live close, I live in Pennsylvania and live close to Delaware. Um, Pennsylvania liquor laws are stupid and insane. You can't buy beer and other liquors in the same store and you have to buy it by the case. They're loose, but like, so I, I always buy alcohol in Delaware cause it's cheaper and you can buy whatever you want and anywhere. Um, if I got pulled over, they, they get, there's oh, yeah. a big liquor store right on the Delaware on on I-95 in Delaware, right on the border of Pennsylvania, around the holidays, they put undercover state troopers from Pennsylvania in the parking lot and follow people coming out of the store with Pennsylvania tags and nab them. But like, something like that, whereas that's, you gotta like manage that risk. Where I'm doing it, where it's like I'm buying, you know, a six pack on my way home from work. Like, I'm not really too concerned with that. I'm like, buying uh you know cases of wine from delaware and selling them in pennsylvania yeah you know, like <laughs> all right that's a much bigger yeah. risk so you know it's it's think about the volumes that you're doing and, and yeah so like small stuff here and there especially when it's when it's like physical cash that you're dealing with like yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna catch it but as soon as you have to reinterface with that kyc system and the kyc system isn't just bitcoin it's every financial institution basically they yeah. are like your your checking account your bank account your your whatever your fidelity account they're all massively kyc um so when you introduce new funds into that as it gets bigger you know, they're going to care more about that because they're not going to go after the guy who's avoiding you know ten dollars in capital or, or in sales tax they're going to go after the guy that's you know moving around thousands of dollars regularly mm -hmm. um it's it's you know they get more, more bang for their buck doing that you know, they have right. it's a state you know they don't, they're not they're not they don't have customers but also they do have to manage the resources a little bit right actually speaking of that i was just looking up today because i was listening to that episode with Carr, where he mentioned that um like the the rate of audits by uh, financial class, and well, and this is from their website, so I can't say how how accurate that is, but uh, the sheer number might be greater, but it it's actually like less than one percent of people in like below seventy five thousand dollars a year who get audited, and it's like one percent and two percent for people who are like millionaires and billionaires above that. So that's just a, a random factoid that I went and found today because I was just like, you know what? I am curious about audits. Like, how often does it happen? Right. Yeah, and you don't you don't want to get audited. And if you do, you want to be able to, you know, not have to pull mm -hmm. the libertarian. Uh, you actually have no authority over me, so that <laughs> right. you know, that's just it's not going to work. <laughs> right. It's not going to work so with the tax guy himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sometimes you got to stare into the into the 
archivists of reality and say, you know what, I gotta, I gotta hold my nose and do something that I, I otherwise wouldn't do, but it helps me to fight to live another day. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 there's, you know, it does, doesn't justify doing everything or doing anything that you want. You know, um, I would say that doesn't justify you going out and like getting a job with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you probably have other opportunities for work, and just because it, it, it's it's kind of like, kind of use this example today in a, in a Twitter DM, where it's like, um, yeah, sometimes you don't have the best choice available to you, but like, if uh, if if there's a grocery store that every night they kill like a litter of puppies, just because they think it's fun, um, and that's like the only grocery store it's within like any sort of reasonable range to you then like yeah okay maybe go shopping there but if you've got another grocery store down the street doesn't do that but you still shop at the puppy murder ones because they've got you know nice sales on mayonnaise or something yeah don't like you you're a jerk and you're you're not a good person for shopping at that <laughs> at that grocery store at that point so yeah like anything else you gotta you gotta use you know you gotta have a decent moral compass and you gotta yeah. do things with with you know how to manage risks and on right well and i was about to make a comparison of that to the fiat system and then i was like well no wait because the difference is the fiat system can put a gun to your head and say pay up anyways <laughs> so that's the difference yeah. all right um moving on a little bit forward here uh so you use the home equity line of credit um am i wrong or can your like let's say we have another crash can you actually lose your house if the value goes too low? Is that a thing with housing housing still? No. Um, that would only matter if I couldn't continue making mortgage payments. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's what would get me out of my house. So um, that was a problem with a lot of people back in like 2008 mm-hmm. because they were buying houses assuming that they were going to go up value. So mm-hmm. when they didn't do that and suddenly they became underwater – um their desire to hold on to that property kind of vanished and so they were couldn't they would if they sold the house they would get you know destroyed um on that on that speculation um so yeah like it doesn't matter and and that's why that's that's a good reason to not buy a house as an investment buy it more as a consumer good you know buy something that you can afford and uh and get you know something that you want that you can afford and so as long as i can keep making the mortgage payment you know we fine and then adding the heloc to it um basically i have a 10 year drawdown period where i can there's a limit on how much uh you know cash is available out of it and i can draw that down for a period of 10 years and there's a minimum payment of uh 50 if i have a balance um for interest and then uh and then after that's a 20 year payoff period okay so so that sounds like like they're just charging you the full interest in that uh minimum so they can just tell you like yeah you just pay it off yeah i i don't know it's it's that wasn't very eloquent i'm sorry (laughs) no no i know i know what you mean I, i just don't have a good explanation of it i just know that the minimum payment um is 50 bucks if i if i have a balance um, but like, it was funny when I like finally realized, cause I did the HELOC before I got on zero 
but I was like, hold on a second. Like, you're going to give me like a three and a half percent interest rate and you're going to like let me pull out a bunch of money that I don't have to pay really for 10 years and then I another 20 years. And like, <laughs> and you guys realize that in, uh, inflation is like in the double digits, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. What's the catch? Holy cow. Like, wait, how is this fair that I'm at? <laughs> And really, I, it's not. It's it, yeah, it's all about the collateral, I think, mm -hmm. and I think they overestimate the usefulness of collateral. Yeah, but um, so. actually, that's something that I might skip around a little bit. That's something that I was able to do yeah. um, a few years ago. Geez, almost a decade ago now. Um, you can actually, I'm pretty sure, and somebody please at me on Twitter, RevSolPod, if I am wrong, but I'm pretty sure if you use literally cash as collateral, like uh, in the form of a CD, Certificate of Deposit, you get a 0% loan because they already have the money. So, I mean, okay. that that would be the only thing like better than a, a HELOC. Of course, I think a HELOC, you know, you're, you're borrowing against the value of your house, so you have a much higher limit there. But like, let's say you've got two grand that you were gonna spend on Bitcoin. If you can just turn that into a CD, you get a loan and do exactly what Car does, but with zero interest instead of whatever you guys get, I think that's a, a step up in um, the efficiency of it. Yeah, I would say because I I checked my credit union um, what their personal loans were, and I think it was like six percent or something. Yep. So it's still really cheap. Like you gotta you gotta. It is. We don't know exactly what the rate of interest is, um, the interest rate or the inflation rate is. Um, but like, I think it's reasonable to kind of rough it against whatever the S and P five hundred's doing. Um, you know, it's always tough to tell what inflation is in the moment. Like, you know, mm -hmm. a year from now, we'll be able to look back and be like, "Holy cow, inflation was thirty percent over that time." Um, so, like, you got to look at the opportunity cost there. So, you put two thousand dollars or whatever it is into that into that CD. And it's going it's getting basically no interest right um, um so like you're really not gaining anything because you could just use that two thousand dollars to do whatever you, you want to do anyway um and if bitcoin's appreciating you know the way it is you're you're losing out on that so uh and and you assu i assume that the uh Bitcoin is going to appreciate over the term of that loan more than um, the loan's going to cost. Sure. I'm just, in my mind, it's this isn't against someone like just actually just buying Bitcoin, but it's like if you're going to use a loan to buy Bitcoin anyways and you have that kind of cash sitting around, I don't see why you wouldn't do that and just drop that interest rate to zero if that is what it is. Yeah, but that's I'm my only argument that, there. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that you're you're going to you're going to end up wealthier um, by just putting that cash into Bitcoin and, and taking interest on your loan. Now, there could be, like, it depends on how long, you know, if you're taking, you know, uh, but even still, even if you're... Oh, so you're saying 6% interest on another loan. So let's say I use two grand to buy Bitcoin and then I get another loan for two grand and I put four grand into Bitcoin, but I get 6% interest on half of it. I'm not, well, I'm not even saying that you would, like, if you're, um, 
like if you've got a bunch of bills to pay over the course oh, no. of the like couple months, you get it. You take a loan out so you can um, you can front run your Bitcoin purchase and say like, all right, I'm going to take a I don't know, a number, say ten thousand um, dollars for six months. I'm going to take a loan at six percent uh, for ten thousand dollars, and I'm going to buy Bitcoin. Um, with that $10,000 right away. And then as I get income, I expect to make $10,000 in six months. So I'll just pay, as the income comes in, I'll pay off that loan. Um, you would be better off doing that um, for the most part. I mean, Bitcoin's gonna, goes down sometimes, but uh, you gotta like stretch this out over, over a long time horizon. Um, then saying like, I'm gonna lock up $10,000 and get an interest-free loan then you're kind of not really gaining anything by doing that. Kind of see what I'm saying? I don't know how well I'm explaining that. Well, if you lock up money to get a loan of the same, uh, like of the same amount, but you're not paying interest, then just use that cash. That's true, There's but no you do get the cash. That up for yeah. Loan. I guess I'd have to actually see the math worked out on paper. Because in my head, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, um, you've, it, you know, so you're paying 6% interest and you, the, the Bitcoin increase over that time is somewhat of an unknown. So it's, it's unknown minus 6%. And I'm looking at it like, okay, well, if I can put $10,000 into Bitcoin at 0% and then at the end get... 10, get my collateral back plus whatever the, and I know the interest is negligible but I'm thinking like okay I'm getting that back plus I don't know $150 or something crappy like that but and then I just keep doing that where it's like I'm just gonna go you know roll it over again and make another loan for that amount at zero percent I'm just thinking it's like well there's six percent bitcoin that I'm getting on top of but it is probably just sort of a convoluted way to get a you know nickel and dime out of it yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess what I'm trying to say for that strategy, like, so you say you have, let me let me make sure I'm understanding you correctly first. So you have you have two thousand dollars in fiat, and you're saying you want to lock that up in a CD, you can get a uh, interest-free loan for two thousand dollars. Sure. Um, like, what does that get you? Well, because if I take a personal loan at 6% for $2,000 and I... Okay, so we're talking 6% versus just buying double the amount of Bitcoin now. Okay, yeah, like that's you, the difference. Okay. That up in, yeah, yeah. If you lock that money up in a CD, then that's $2,000 worth of Bitcoin less that you're going to end up with. Right. Yeah, it's because of the buying time. early part. That clarifies that. So my head was just yep. coming up with a convoluted way not to do anything. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like spending all this time tying a knot. Well, yeah. It yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because that's actually exactly how I started out playing Magic the Gathering like five years ago. And then I would do stuff like that. And then my friend would look at me like, okay, but what have you accomplished? And I'd be like, well, I've got all these little things around here that are doing stuff. And it's like, okay, but I can still smack you in the face. <laughs> like... <laughs> that's, 
that's why we talk it through. That's why we yep. talk it through. You got to get that logic. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, that's unrelated. Who cares about that? Um, do you want to talk about IBC for a second? Since I, I've kind of... This is just a way of looking at it that I think is interesting, and I'm the only one that I think I know of that's come up with this. But, um, Okay, so uh, if you don't know what the infinite banking concept is, it's basically we're going to take out a whole life insurance policy, and this is pre-Bitcoin or like right when Bitcoin was super young because I think the book was actually written in 2009. Um, but he's like, the banking system is flawed, um, we have Dodd-Frank now, which is a um, a law that says that if a bank goes insolvent after the crisis of 08, now what we're going to do, instead of the government just giving them tax dollars, they're actually going to take money from all of their creditors first. And guess who's included as a creditor? All depositors. So the idea was, let's get our money out of the bank because the bank has no obligation, just like the cops have no obligation to protect, the bank has no obligation to protect my funds. <laughs> So um, the idea was, okay, I'm going to get a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy that is structured so that I can do this. And um, basically the idea is that the life insurance policy is clearly a savings plan that you're passing on to your kids. It's not really yours at this point. So it's, it's different from an emergency fund, but it is sort of your, your life savings. Um, and you can take out a policy loan in order to pay, um, I guess, like, let's say buy a car, but the in interest is less than 5% on this thing. So the idea is you're getting like a really good deal, which I guess nowadays is completely pointless too, because you can get cars at like 0% now, <laughs> man. Uh, the world is on its head. It really is. But uh, let, me, let me just read. So uh, let's see here. Okay, so the idea is basically you, you get it in a system where you're con contractually obligated, uh, the, the life insurance company is contractually obligated to actually like give you the money that you've already put into the plan and that's called the cash surrender value. So it's like you have a million dollar policy but you've put in a hundred grand over the years and that hundred grand the life insurance company absolutely owes you plus a minimum of whatever like the expected rate of return on that is. Um, and so my what basically the idea is get it out of the banking system and then you use these loans to actually sort of like consolidate debt and do all sorts of things but the idea is to uh, get really good interest on it and in my head when i heard about the get on zero i'm thinking oh this is just like ibc but instead of this convoluted legal system we actually have a bearer instrument that does the same thing so i don't know any thoughts on that so far yeah. i think i follow yeah um I would say before Bitcoin or before I realized, you know, got on zero, I would have said, yeah, it, you know, IBC is a great strategy. But it was for until it came along and better options. So I had a, uh, a whole life policy and I mm -hmm. was and I wasn't even I wasn't doing IBC with it yet. Um, didn't really have a, a big enough astronaut value yet to do anything for a while. And, uh, you know, I was a big promoter of it. And then. You know, once I did the get on zero thing and I was looking at it and I was like, and whole life insurance policies are pretty expensive. 
if you're there's a lot of cash flow that's got to go in to service the whole life policy and i was looking at what it was going to be worth it's like the retirement investment vehicle um and i was just like man in like 30 years i'm gonna be like tapping into this like if i'm right about bitcoin even a little bit this is going to be peanuts compared to what it would be worth if i was just taking that money and putting it into bitcoin so i actually did recently uh cancel my whole life policy hmm. i'm getting the cash surrender value out of it that's just going to go into bitcoin and now i'm opening that cash flow up into being able to buy bitcoin um, i did change i did uh buy term life insurance though because term life mm -hmm. is really cheap and especially if uh you know I don't have a wife and a family yet, but I would like one. And I would like them, if something happened to me, or I got, if I died, I would like for them to not have to, you know, start tapping immediately into, you know, the savings, the long-term cold storage and everything. I want to have them be able to, like, get a get a nice big lump sum. And the cost is, like, really cheap. Like, I'll, I'll give not, because it's, it's kind of, we're talking about all this stuff and a lot of times you need to put numbers to it because people say like what's cheap to me may not be cheap to someone else um now i got like apparently like the highest rate because i'm young and healthy and it's 33 dollars a month yeah. term life insurance for a 25-year policy and uh you know it's a it's several multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars it pays out um so that like to put that in, like that's really cheap if you've got a family and you're worried you know and and you're like the sole provider and even if you're not you know, the main breadwinner of your family like if you die it's gonna be really bad for you know your family financially so um, even if your wife or husband is working so you want to be able to you know give them so i think having some insurance like that is good i also have disability insurance if i can't work disability insurance is also pretty cheap too it's in the same order yeah. of magnitude as as the term life so those are, are things to like kind of protect yourself i'm getting away from from what you asked about but no um i i think but but to to wrap it up on the ibc thing i think it was a good idea for when that was it was the best tool available for a time and then once bitcoin's here um i think i think just bitcoin just outperforms whatever uh, a whole life insurance policy is going to do, however, which way you use it. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's been something I've been trying to kind of realize, too, because I just finished up, like, learning the whole Dave Ramsey program uh, this summer, and then I've been, you know, like, marginally aware of Bitcoin since 2017, but really dove into it since Childerberg last year. Um, nice. And it's just been, you know, doing that's my tens fault. to hundreds of hours of learning and such <laughs> um it's yeah, like it's... it, it kind of turns the whole thing on its head because once you've got a hard money versus a soft money it's like having getting rid of debt and a soft money that's continually losing value doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to be aggressive on that when you, instead you could put your money into a harder asset that's not going to bleed value at the same rate which is the the bleed rate is greater than the interest rate so paying off more quickly you're not you're not really gaining right if you're not doing something useful with that money yeah it's really getting into bitcoin and getting on zero really like 
makes me do all the things that I was so against just a couple of years ago. Like for the, it's like the traditional ways is like buy a lot of insurance, get in the debt, you know, pay off your debt immediately. Um, and I was all about all those things. And now it's like, no, I got to like do the wrong thing. Like doing the wrong thing is the right thing. And yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's the incentive. And when there's a lot of people out there, they don't understand how the system works and they don't understand Bitcoin and how you can use that to turn this fiat system on its head for your advantage. Mm -hmm. They get caught up in the high time preference thing where they are taking on a lot of debt. They are you know, doing the things that, in, that is incentivized by the fiat system and they end up going into these real bad holes. So it's like you're doing the same thing as the at, to an extent using the same instruments and getting in debt but like you're if you understand what's going on and you can manage it well then you can you can do pretty well with it um plus you get some tax advantages if you're paying interest on your debt you know you can you can write that off so yeah it's crazy it's it's absolutely crazy how this fiat system just turns everything on its head like that and that's why we got to get rid of it so that we can return to a thing where it's like yes be conservative. Don't take on a lot of debt um, that a that a hard money standard provides you. So, um, yeah, protect your Bitcoin and uh, and and beat beat the living daylights out of any fiat assets that you can to, to take advantage of that to to get more Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. And uh, just to round that off, I guess um, what I realized going into this was like, oh yeah, the the whole life insurance policy, if, if it's just a savings account, if you want to think of it that way, it's still denominated in dollars, and that's why it's not useful anymore. So. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it's like Bitcoin becomes your insurance policy. Like, just your savings become your insurance. Yeah. Um, because if you have that, you know, kind of cold storage, you know, long-term stack, I mean, what's, what's the purpose of money? What's the purpose of savings? other than to deal with future uncertainty. Yep. Um, so like, you, like the, the, the need, like the, uh, the, the, the multi-million, you know, multi-gajillionaire need to worry about, if, you know, he needs to replace his roof as much as someone who's making $50,000 a year. And, you know, might buy tempted to buy roof insurance or something to, to cover to cover an expense but that just it just cripples his his cash flow even more that's why mm -hmm. you know people like it, it's this system set up that fiat system is set up so that the poor can't build savings because if you do have that if you do have to replace your roof and you got to spend twenty five thousand dollars to do it and you don't have that in savings then all of a sudden you are pushed into buying some sort of like uh, a home warranty kind of thing where you're spending 500 bucks a month for them to cover you know an unforeseen expense that you can but but that like you can afford your cash flows allow you to send 500 dollars there but it's coming out of your your ability to save so it keeps you living paycheck to paycheck like that and that's like that's yeah. like that and and the less money that you have and the less cash flow that you have more of that happens you can't buy in bulk because you don't have the money to do that so you have to spend more smaller amounts mm -hmm. so you're just kind of like stuck, 
thing. And as inflation goes up and the, and the prices keep going up, but your paycheck isn't keeping the pace with it, then you're just going deeper and deeper into this hole. And it's, it's really bad and it's really hard to get out of. And that's why, you know, I, I think the only article I've written on the Get On Zero Fiat website is, uh, is like, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Should I get on zero? The answer is yes. It's, it's the mm -hmm. only way you're going to get get yourself out of that. And it might be rocky. It might be difficult in the beginning. But like, it's it, you got to drive over that rumble strip to start driving on the correct side of the road and not driving on traffic and in, into oncoming traffic anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated that you guys covered that pretty early in the series. Like, you know, this yeah. is going to be this is going to be probably the top complaint from people who are having fun staying poor. Uh you know, if I'm paycheck to paycheck, shouldn't I just keep my dollars? And it's like, no, you're the person who absolutely the very most needs the protection of Bitcoin. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, I guess uh, let's play a little game. Uh, tell me if I'm on zero. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do, and you can tell me if I'm on zero. <laughs> so no, you're not pure enough. <laughs> uh, Keep getting kicked in the ass. No real Bitcoiner. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, there's getonzerofiat.com. And for those that don't yeah. want to do that, you can go stay on fiat.com. <laughs> People so, so mad at that. Oh. oh, I know. Yeah, you know. It, okay, so here, here's basically what happened: is I don't even know if Get On Zero had started yet, or maybe if I had just seen it kind of bubbling up. But um, I got really bullish on Bitcoin, uh, mostly because of my listening to you and Car and everybody. Um, and I got really motivated about savings. So like, I was making crazy overtime last summer, going into the fall, leading up to the holidays. And uh, I was, you know, buying Bitcoin, buying Bitcoin every single week. And well, so the f first off, I save a hell of a lot more than I used to. And second off, um, well, so this is like the, the, the case example of someone who is at that poverty level, um, just, you know, trying to figure out like, okay, how do I do this without screwing myself? You know, because that's the, the thought. And I really liked, was it? heavily armed clown that said um in your head when you start thinking about it you're imagining like well what if i dump all of my net worth into bitcoin and then it tanks but that's not actually what you're doing um because it's an overtime process so what i do is i actually um i'm still in debt and i service the debt but that that debt so i actually do like car does i have a six percent but it's a line of credit not just a loan so every time I put a payment in there, I do exactly what the IBC guys do. And I take the money back out of the loan like a yo-yo. And I buy Bitcoin with it. <laughs> and the idea is that I'm building up that actual cash savings balance. Um, sort of in juxtaposition to that debt rather than just trying to pay the debt off. Because I know that the dollar is becoming worthless. And I think that I'm going to be better off if I just get that Bitcoin now early. And let it sit and let it ride while just keeping the uh the collectors at bay like hey i i'm paying you it's fine but um at the same time i'm utilizing that to go ahead and get the bitcoin with the money that i just cycle through essentially so you have you you're carrying debt um but also you're positive in another like your checking account or something but overall you're kind of negative 
So I am I am on negative as far as one can be. But okay. I'm I'm negative in a good way because I actually have quite a bit of um, savings now, more than I've had in a while, um, because of the buying the Bitcoin thing. And like I said, so like I, there... when I get overtime, I buy Bitcoin. When I pay my loan, instead of just paying it and letting it sit and trying to draw that balance back down, I just withdraw the amount that I just paid and then I buy more Bitcoin with it. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to uh, I'm I'm trying to understand what's going because it is it's it's, it's funny yeah. when you do something it makes perfect sense to you. Yeah. And, and <laughs> trying to, um, so imagine so like, you make like, your your home equity line of credit payment and then immediately mm -hmm. turn around and take that exact same amount and buy Bitcoin with it by with taking the money uh, out of the uh, home equity okay. and putting it in your checking account. It's the same thing. It's just a it's a smaller amount because it's a consumer line of credit instead of home equity. Okay. So yeah, let's say you you have a hundred dollar balance on your your uh, line of credit. You get paid, so you pay a hundred dollars to yeah have a zero balance on that, and then you pull a hundred dollars out of that to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so there's yeah, yeah, there's on debt account. on it. As long as your as long as as long as your checking account is like zero and you're not like holding dollars. Um, Whatever reason, because it doesn't make sense. Like, if you're able, if you have a line of credit, like, why even hold the dollars? Even pay that line of credit back, so you have better access to the line of credit, and not interest, or just buy Bitcoin with that. So, yeah, I think if I'm understanding you correctly, yeah, I, I think you're on zero. Yeah. So technically, yeah, like I'm, I'm doing basically what Hack does, and I'm paying everything, and then what's left? If I was going to save with it anyways, I put it in Bitcoin, and then even if I don't save, I had to make my minimum payment on the line of credit, and then I just say. Okay, yoink and throw it in Bitcoin instead. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm on I mean, zero. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hooray! Yeah, it's kind of yes. like what I'm doing because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm carrying a balance in the line of credit and then paying that off and then just sort of pulling from that line of credit to buy Bitcoin. I just, my paycheck buys Bitcoin and then the other portion I don't convert pays off the line of credit right so it's, it sounds like it's kind of six and a half six of ah, six of one half dozen of the other yeah right so i guess my my thought for anyone who is at that poverty level and thinking about doing this um you know if you've got debt or whatever the the trick is to realize that you don't need to like work yourself to the bone and try to pay that debt off like if you obviously you want to consolidate it into something that's lower interest you don't want to hold credit card debt but you do want to hold you know if you have a six percent line of credit like i do or even just a basic consumer loan um you don't have to think of it like well i have to pay this off and then go buy bitcoin you can actually think of it like okay you know what i only need to pay enough to keep them off my back and then i can turn around and focus on savings because originally my idea was I'm, you know, I'm stocking my freezer, I'm stocking my dry goods in my pantry, and then I'm also building an emergency fund, which, you know, they say, like, oh, you want to have at least $600 in your account or whatever for just, like, when bad things happen. But then I realized, well, if I'm going to be sitting on this for months at a time, I'm going to put that in Bitcoin. So really all you're doing is is you want to get to a point where you realize, okay, because if you pay that, that loan down, if it's a line of credit, you pay it down, where's your liquidity? it's in the line of credit. So all you're doing is drawing it back up whenever an emergency happens. So 
paying your account off is like savings, quote unquote, but it's not because you're just paying the debt off. If you can build savings that is not attached, and this is why, um, why we get really antsy about the whole uh, Bitcoin-backed loan thing is because now that Bitcoin isn't in your hands, I would rather have a credit card and own Bitcoin, right? So it's the same thing. It's like, I'm going to have this Bitcoin off to the side and I'm going to simply keep the the collect yeah what do they call it collections keep collections at bay by paying my minimum payments and then putting that actual savings what i would have been using to pay off extra i, w I will take that and put it in bitcoin instead because the reality is that yes if you pay that debt off you're going to have higher cash flows but the time between now and the time that that debt's paid off is time that you could have been buying bitcoin now and that Bitcoin is lower now, and especially at thirty grand, thirty-five that we're at right now. Oh boy, man, I am excited. So, yeah, man, that's perfect. Um, there's uh, one thing I wanted to add to that about. Uh, oh yeah, because there's that's what I wanted to say too. Because everyone says like, oh well, if you're doing paycheck to paycheck and you put into the Bitcoin and Bitcoin drops, you know, and you don't have enough money to cover your expenses and everything. And something comes up it's like well if you're paycheck to paycheck and have no savings what happens if your car breaks down mm -hmm. and you have to spend five hundred dollars to go get it fixed like that's how most people operate that's how most americans are what, what's it like seven hundred dollars or something that like sixty percent of americans can't afford if it came up and those people yeah. don't like get totally wrecked and destitute <laughs> if that happens so like it's not totally unmanageable or you know they say oh what happens if you go to the hospital and and you owe them a four thousand dollar hospital bill they don't strap you down to the bed and say pay us four thousand dollars and or you know especially as as these bills go up in price well one you don't have to pay like on the spot usually they hand you the bill and say you have 30 days to pay this or you can they usually offer and if you you can also just ask for a payment plan yep um if you've got you know a big bill that comes up so like i think we have to be reasonable about you know what sorts of expenses are gonna catch you unexpectedly and how you can manage that and i think having a line of credit is a really really useful tool there uh, because i mean uh, again there's gonna be certain people out there who get, well what about the guy that lives in mozambique who you know doesn't have even have a computer and can't get like okay well that's a different different case but we're talking mostly to Westerners, mostly Americans, and you can basically have a little bit of income and no savings and get a loan, a 30-year loan to buy a house. So, like, let's not act like credit is totally unavailable for people that might be living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, even if you, you know, carry some debt, carry a balance there and have to take on payments, like as long as you're smart with it and understand what you're doing, it's manageable. And it's it's better than doing what you're still doing because you're not getting right. any, you're not, you're not moving ahead. Yeah, so I guess my well, last thing I'll say about that, like let's actually explore that hypothetical for a second. Um, so let's say I'm the average American. I've got, you know, maybe a little bit of credit card debt. Um, or uh, in, in, let's say I've got a line of credit and it's, you know, I have 50% maxed out. Um, and a car problem does come up. 
here's my two options. I can either take money out of that line of credit to pay for it, which has, in my case, uh, 6.5% interest, pay for it, and then pay it off with, with interest. Or I can do what I did last year and fix my car with a 0% uh, interest for six months credit card that I got at the auto shop um, and actually make sure that I pay it off within six months. And I was getting a lot of overtime, so it was fine. Um, or, but here's, here's the trick. You don't, if you're, if you're not getting a lot of overtime, like I was and no, knew that you could do that, if you're like actually poverty level and you're, you know, you're scraping by as it is, adding to your debt is only going to, uh, reinforce that. So what I would do is, um, actually like, like I said, what, like I said before, if I'm making that payment and then buying the Bitcoin with it and having that asset that's set aside that is gaining value as opposed to losing value, because if it's, if debt is occurring interest, that's worse than having an asset that is gaining value, which is like negative interest, right? Because it's coming back to you as opposed to leaving you. Um, so in my case, I would actually think about like, okay, if this came up where it was that bad and I actually had to sell my Bitcoin, I'd be comfortable with that because that was the point. It's my savings. It's for that. <laughs> but the, yes. the line of credit, um, it like I said, you, you just don't want to be adding to the debt without also buying the Bitcoin. Because if you're adding to the debt, and we talk about debt slavery. Um, that's our, our favorite Jack Spearco quote is, you know, debt uh, debt is the worst kind of slavery because it's slavery we do to ourselves. And if you're already scraping by, not only are you you're running up or running down the amount of cash flow you have with every single paycheck, but you're uh, running up the amount of time and making that amount of time longer that you will have to live like that. So... If you have an, if you have like I was talking about a bearer instrument, an actual asset that you can use instead, you can keep yourself your your actual standard of living doesn't change. It's just that you look in your Bitcoin wallet and go, huh, I need more Bitcoin, right? But other than that, your standard of living doesn't change. If you increase your debt, it does change because that minimum payment is just going to keep creeping up. Yep. So. Yeah. No, I, I I totally agree with that. And it's and if you don't do it already. Like you should be tracking your net worth uh, because that's going to tell you whether you're doing the right thing or not, or if you need to make a change. If you're, if your debt keeps going up and yep. like you're in the negative, then like, all right, you need, you need to either stop spending as much or get more income. You, you know, you need to, and, and, and I know it's like obvious and it's like, well, what happens if you're poor? Like, yeah, make more money. Like, yeah, I know. Like, there's a certain someone on Twitter who had yeah. thought he was a genius for saying that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's the reality of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're – even if you are taking on more debt, if that Bitcoin balance is going up, um, then, you, you know, and that's going up at a higher rate than your, mm -hmm. your debt is, then – and you're probably in an, in an okay spot because you can always service it. And to the point about Bitcoin being savings, that's a point that it's it's amazing that people, even like hardcore Bitcoiners, forget this. Um, it's not like it's not sinful to spend your Bitcoin, like mm -hmm. if you need it. Like we had we had Scott Horton on our show a little while ago, and he was like, "Man, I'd have a lot more Bitcoin, but you know my wife got sick and 
right. needed to sell off the Bitcoin to pay for her surgery. And we're like, thank goodness you had the Bitcoin. Like that's, there's no shame yeah. there. Like that's, that's awesome that you were able to do that. Like Bitcoin helped you there. Um, you know, what would you have done if you didn't have Bitcoin? You know, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you be having a much different conversation? So. Yeah. And just to clarify, you know, even in my situation, I'm not taking on new debt to buy the Bitcoin. All right. I'm doing is I'm, I'm leaving my debt where it is and being OK with the fact that I'm holding something that isn't um, beholden unto that debt, if that makes sense. So, like, it's different. Like, I'm, right. I wouldn't yeah, buy yeah, a car yeah. and have it collateralize a loan. I would like to have in my case, actually, I bought an older car and they gave me a consumer loan for it because it was such a low amount. I think I paid two thousand dollars for my truck and that's how i originally got that loan is i wanted to buy the truck but they said well we can't collateralize it with a vehicle that's older than so many years well that's awesome because if something happens to that loan they can't take my truck right it was perfect i was so happy when i figured that out i was like oh really and i can pay this off and then draw that back out and do something else nice <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's a great deal yeah so but, but, yeah, right now I'm just, point. yeah, that is something important to clarify that like when we're saying like, yeah, you can add more debt. We're not saying no, no, no. <laughs> it's not the smartest move to go out and, and, you know, take a $50,000 consumer loan and buy Bitcoin with it and then hope that like you can, you can pay, you know, pay it off with the gains on Bitcoin. Maybe you can, right. maybe you can't, but like, don't, if you can hold out that use, long, right. Don't right. Don't use like it's like when you when you go to a casino. Don't gamble with scared money. Mm -hmm. and so like don't yeah. don't have play with scared Bitcoin either. Yeah, and it's kind of the same way. It's like with gambling. I'm basically playing with my winnings, right? I'm not playing with new money. Right. It's the same concept. Yeah, but in this case the game is tilted in our favor very much right oh, you're yeah. the house rather than the customer mm -hmm. yeah uh, like it's it's you know is and everyone you always say like well nothing's to, you know 100 percent guarantee like bitcoin's gonna become money like it's 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 really 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 hard to envision a world where that doesn't happen eventually doesn't mean that it's gonna not be rocky between now and then, and it's not going to mean, you know, as I always say, I like to say that Bitcoin as a network and a protocol is the strongest thing that exists. Bitcoiners as individuals are soft targets. So, like, don't conflate security of the network, your own personal security. Mm -hmm. You know, someone can shoot you in the face and you die and you lose and Bitcoin doesn't care and it keeps going on. That's not going to that's not going to hurt Bitcoin. So like that's that's what we have to, you know, when we talk about our confidence in the success of Bitcoin, you know, that that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily automatically translate into you know your personal security and safety and and whatever. So long term yeah. prosperity, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we are winning already. I mean, uh, just look around. Like it's it's. Would you, would you, is there another time in the world that you'd rather be alive in? Like, yeah. we're seeing, it, it's, it's crazy what's happening. All the crazy bad stuff that's going on, but at the same time, we are 
the pioneers of a new monetary standard that is going to create so much wealth and prosperity for all of humanity. And like, we're the ones that are saying like, you know what? Yeah, we're adopting this as money right now. This is our money right now. We're gonna we're gonna you know lead the charge there and and be the guys that go out there and and figure it out for everybody else. Not trying to like turn us. No, not trying to like. Oh, Rollo, you're such a hero. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> um, because you know it's also in our self interest to do it. We like kind of figured it out and like, oh, I can make. Not that this is the main driver for it, but it's like, eh, I'm gonna end up probably becoming wealthier out of this. So you know <laughs> we have our. We have our own personal motivations for it too. We wouldn't be doing this. It would be a lot harder sell to get on zero to say that we're doing this to, you know, save the people that are dying from a uh, United States-backed genocide in Yemen. When we're also saying, yeah, at the same time, you know, we're going to be poor at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, we have to be real about you know why we're doing this. Um, but that's the great thing about free markets and natural law and natural order is that doing the right thing in the long run ends up being the best thing. So. Yeah. That's how you know your incentives are aligned properly. Yes. Yeah. When, when like all the things around you like make sense and coalesce to like one direction, that gives you proof that you're doing the right thing. So when you're like, when your time preference is getting lowered by, by, you know, using Bitcoin and, and you're like realizing it like, Oh man, the way I can get more Bitcoin is by providing more value to the rest of society. Like, man, these are all things that are telling you that like, yeah, man, you're on the right path and keep going, keep going there. Um, and when something, something contradicts what you're doing, um, then you gotta, then you gotta reassess and figure out what's wrong. And I mean, that's why probably a lot of us are libertarian. We're libertarians to start with. It was for me because I was getting into argument, political arguments with people and learning stuff to try to beat them and realize that like, uh, wait, this stuff that I'm saying like doesn't doesn't line up correctly. I'm like squaring a lot of things that aren't square. I'm just like chewing on puzzle pieces to make it all fit. And then once you start mm-hmm. figuring it out, then you're like, you can be so much more confident because it's like, man, any way that you come at me, I've got an answer for you. This This actually all works out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so something like I know we all kind of swim in Bitcoin circles at this point and know, you know, a lot of people that are involved run their own node, etc. Is it like mind blowing to you? I don't know how accurate this number still is, but I've heard recently that there's like less than 15,000 nodes on the network. Does that surprise you? Just like knowing how many folks at, at least tangentially interact with bitcoin there's so few that have taken that next step yeah it's uh i don't know how much i believe that number because i don't know what they're counting i don't know if they're counting tour nodes that run on a tour um, oh, and there's a lot, a lot of us that are doing that so that makes me feel a little bit better but no it is it is mind-blowing that like we are a small group of people like when we're on twitter and everything um, and with our circles of people, we think that because we can always like find someone new that's into Bitcoin doing the same thing we are. Um, but the reality is, is that the vast majority of people are not on the same page with us. So um, it is really a small group of people, which is makes it, yeah, mind blowing and pretty exciting that um, 
you know, there's just a small group of us that are that are moving the needle this much. Um, you mentioned heavily armed clown a few times um, with his website WTF happened in 1971.com. I mean, that's made the rounds mm. to people, and he just shared a video someone sent him to him where uh, Glenn Beck, a video where he was showing charts from that website and talking about it, wow. and like now Glenn Beck and his audience is getting people <laughs> to start to see what inflation in the Fed's doing. And like he and Ben Prentice were just like two dudes that got into Bitcoin and like were playing around looking at charts and realized, holy cow, this is crazy. And then they just made a website about it. Nice. Don't answer the question. What, what happened in 1971? And show a bunch of charts where it does this and then 1971 happens. <laughs> goes crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the amount of influence that those two guys have had is incredible. And like, you know, I can invite him on my podcast. I can DM on Twitter. I can, you know, talk to him whenever I like. It's, it's so cool, dude. And yeah. I had no idea that I, that I, was like, him until yesterday. And now I'm like, dude, <laughs> Safedine's been shouting the name of that website yeah. for like a year now. It's so awesome. <laughs> right. And and we have we have people talking about like the normie thing is like, oh, we got to get into politics and we have to worship these politicians mm. or do things for us and move the needle over there. But then you got heavily armed clown that put a website together and look at the leverage that got created because of that look at the results mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. the, the the moving the needle that got moved because of that um because he's he's after truth and he's and he's identifying things like logic and reason truth they're all going to win out at the end and uh so yeah i mean just seeing these little even just like the get on zero movement it was like just a couple of us that started and we started talking about it and started being open about it and like you're seeing random people on Twitter talking about it. And, you know, people on podcasts that are like real Bitcoin people, if you will, that have and, and just like kind of casually mentioning, oh, yeah, there's this like get on zero thing, which is pretty cool. And so, like, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat to be a part of this. And, uh, and I, and, you know, you guys are right there with us, you know, doing, doing this stuff too. So it's, uh, it's and I've said this before, Slappy and I on the podcast we've been doing you know going to be on Monday we already recorded it's going to be episode two hundred ninety, and we've done an episode every single week since we started. Now we've got some bonus episodes in there, so it's not two hundred ninety weeks, but it's close to it. And we've had the blog for getting close to ten years now, so podcast for more than five years, a blog for another four or five years on top of that. And for the longest time, we were kind of like searching for our niche because we we're always just like a general libertarian thing then we kind of like transition into becoming a bitcoin podcast um but we're always like we need we need a niche though like we're just doing kind of the general thing not that there's anything wrong with that but like we need something where we can like have a better contribution and then the get on zero thing came and it's like and we found it and like this has reinvigorated the excitement that we got when like we first started and we were writing an article you know every day on the blog um that's how i feel again it, it kind of it, it it relit that fire um and so it's 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 been an absolute blast you know doing this thing with with you guys and everybody else and uh i think it's only going to get better yeah yeah for sure it's one of those things that's just kind of exponential. 
you know, as as the adoption continues to increase and more and more smart people get involved, people find the things that they can contribute that continue to add utility and make the usability even easier for interacting with legacy systems and things like that. Um, and then it just keeps feeding itself. We have a country that adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. Like, <laughs> yeah. like tell me that a couple of years ago that that was going to happen. I would have told you, no, that's like 10, 15, 20 years down, down, down the line. Like my, my timeline for when Bitcoin becomes just ubiquitous with money keeps like shrinking. If you told like 2017, 2018, if you asked me, I'd be like, ooh, man, decades, like 40, 50 <laughs> years. Then it was like, all right, well, maybe not 50 years, maybe like 25 years. And I was like, and then it just keeps like shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And it's like, man, I think next, like this time next year, like, I'm not saying that we're going to, you know, all be on a Bitcoin standard or anything, but like, we're going to look back to conversations like this and be like, holy cow, we had decades worth of things happen in a year yeah. um, it's it's moving fast and as this technology gets built out as the lightning network continues to improve we just you know a taproot and we're not even no one's even really using taproot yet but as that mm -hmm. you know starts becoming uh you know more more regular with our stuff i mean there's just there's just bitcoin has only scratched the surface so i mean and like as bad as as the world is right now, the future is so bright. And I'm like, I'm, and and as and as complainy I get about the state of the world, um, you know, I've every day I'm I'm more bullish about the future. Heck yeah. And I want other people because I I want other people to experience that because there's a lot to be upset about in the world. There's a lot mm. to be depressed about. Um, but it's terrible being depressed. It's terrible being miserable. Yeah. No no one really wants that. So that's that's like half the reason I want to get people adopting Bitcoin because like life just becomes so much better. Like you ask anyone that's gotten on zero so far and it's like even with the price dropping, the price got cut in half when I started and a lot of us, others of us started and we're like, it's never been better. <laughs> right? Yeah. Heck yeah. Man. Just uh, letting my mind wander a little bit here. Um, do you think they charge, like, when you send a, a Bitcoin transaction and they want to charge tax on it, does the fees get included in that? Like, I'm sure it does because on your end it all looks like one thing. But uh, if someone like charges a tax, like it, it, like let's say we have a Bitcoin standard and there's still a sales tax, you're saying? Or even right now. So, like, because the reason I think about this is because of Sphinx Chat, where, like, I'm paying a transaction fee in order to send a message. So, do all those transaction fees create taxable events or not? Because I, they do come back to me, so it ends up being a wash. Oh, 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 you're saying for the Lightning Network. E either or. Because even on a regular Bitcoin uh, transaction, yeah, yeah. whether or not your wallet actually takes it out of the transaction or if it adds it on top of the transaction depends on your wallet right so i'm always like so if somebody tells me like i guess what it really comes down to because i doubt they're actually caring about the bitcoin it's more like here's a sale and here's what the amount was and therefore right. 
like the amount like if you charge me fifty dollars and it ends up being fifty point zero zero one five two blah 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 for the transaction fee all the government probably cares about is like it it was a fifty dollar sale right yes right. okay yeah but as as we move forward and as we transact more natively in bitcoin like for them to try to like it's one thing to be like, all right, I bought Bitcoin at $100 and now it's $150 and I sold it. So I got a $50 capital gain on that. You know, here's your taxes on that. As we do more things natively in Bitcoin, like technically if I earn Bitcoin at $30,000 and then I buy uh, a bottle of, um, uh, and I was trying to plug and I, you, I'm sorry. What's that? A bottle of hot Neopite sauce. Hot sauce? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a bottle of hot sauce from you. Uh, what, no, what is, what's the... I feel like such an idiot. What do you brew? Oh, I brew meat. Yeah, meat, thank you. I, that word... <laughs> okay, uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that. Home brew. Plug is mead. <laughs> and, then, and then I just think of the word. I, like but like, yeah, let's say I, I earn Bitcoin at $30,000 of Bitcoin and I buy uh, mead from you with that Bitcoin and Bitcoin goes up to $40,000. I owe, I technically own a, owe a capital gain on that transaction. Good luck tracking that. Good luck figuring that out. And the more that happens, the more of just like a bird's nest of stuff they're going to have to sort through where they're just right. not going to be able to do it. It's just going to be on and on. That's why like the Bitcoin's forward privacy is so so useful because the more we start natively transacting in Bitcoin, like I send Bitcoin to a wallet. There's no way to know who I actually sent that to, right. whether that's right. to me or to you. And like there's some heuristics you can use and everything, but like it's going to become way more convoluted and confusing to try to figure out what's going on with that the more that we start transacting only in bitcoin with each other instead of going in and out of dollars so like it's it's they're just going to have to make it legal tender because they they're just not going to have the resources or literally the ability to figure all that out and yeah. the easier solution for them would just be like all right let's make it legal tender because right. then they can just do the more traditional, you know, taxes and, and, and allow. You know, the other thing, too, is that their, their tax receipts go up and you have more commerce and everything. So but the thing is, of course, that's not what they really want. You know, the value is is in the seniorage from controlling the money supply. So but like it's just going to be it's just going to be too much for them for anyone to manage. And mm -hmm. even for an individual, like even even just like doing normal Bitcoin stuff, if you had to like track every UTXO, and like when you send it to you or your friend and, and, and all this stuff, it's just it's totally unmanageable. And no one would ever like it, it's such a nightmare that it's just totally impractical to if, try to figure out. So if you want proof of that, all you have to do is go to your transactions on a BISC node and try to figure out which ones were you making a deposit into the trade account and which ones were you actually getting your Bitcoin back. Like, I, right. I've i tried to look. I have no idea what's going on inside there. I'm just like, guys, yeah. I didn't write any of this down either. So, like, you know, I'm going to eventually just be like, hey, I've got this much Bitcoin. And I can t tell you generally within a range what the price was when I bought it. But that's And they're going to say, and they're going to look at, 
they're not going to have anything available to them, but they're going to, like, kind of look at what's going on and just be like, okay. Right. Is that... Uh, that makes sense. Because the difference what, like, in what I would owe in taxes would be so little that they'd be like, okay, we'll just go with this, make sure you do better in the future. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. It's like if you operate a cash business and there's no real, yeah. like, good paper trails. And they're like, uh, okay, so you've, like, made money. And you're like, yes, I made $4,000 last month. And they're like, all right. <laughs> kind of makes sense for what he does so right yeah they're okay. just guessing yeah right so like the key there is to just don't be like i made negative four million dollars last month Ooh, looks like you owe me a lot of you know like yeah right <laughs> yeah i can say for a fact though the one thing i am sure of is that the bull run of 2017 you want to know how much taxes i owe if they ever want to call me on it four dollars oh yeah i would uh, <laughs> it's yeah, nothing i was trading uh, oh yeah? yeah no but yeah like i literally oh, I, like yeah, i was yeah. fucking around too because i was like oh look this is the new world i'm gonna buy bitcoin and then go spend it on the internet for stuff that was so cool and then i thought about it and i went oh shit they're gonna call me on this and then i did the math and i was like i owe them four dollars who cares there you go i owe them four dollars that's what i like <laughs> i have i have like track when i was selling peer-to-peer -peer and on this like i i was tracking i have a excel spreadsheet of you mm -hmm. know what i'm buying at the price i haven't kept up with it because i haven't been selling anymore so i don't have the need as much right just in case that like they came and said all right we have evidence that you've been selling bitcoin that you bought so you owe us taxes and and tell us what it is you know, I was keeping track of it so that it wasn't going to be, like, a total nightmare. And I would right. be able to, like, say what it was. And the good thing, though, is that, like, when I was doing that, it was all... I could say, like, well, I bought this Bitcoin at $60,000 and I was selling it when it was 55000 3000 right. Because you don't have to, like, yep. track that individual UTXO. You can, you can pick and choose what, you know, what you're selling regardless of when you bought it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's all Bitcoin's all fungible, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Right. I think every instance that I've had to sell Bitcoin in the past year has been at a loss, actually. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just like. So you can do the. I think that's what's that high highest in first out is the mm -hmm. uh, capital gain strategy. So yep. and and that's that's a normal thing. That's like something that you can can do. Um, that's the other thing I recommend people is is that they. I was surprised at how many people in the beginning with the get on zero stuff, how many people just didn't understand how capital gains taxes work. They thought yeah. that it was like all of like, if you bought $10,000 of Bitcoin and it went up to $12,000 and you sold it, that you would owe $12,000 worth of capital gains. It's like, no, your capital gain is 2000 that you owe. Depending on how long you had it, it could either be, you know, your, your uh, tax rate, income tax rate adding it to that if it's less than a year if it's long-term capital gain over a year then it's 10 or 15 percent and then i think even that like you've got like a certain amount of like long-term capital gains that just, they say like up to was it like forty thousand dollars if you're single or eighty thousand if you're married that you don't owe capital gains on now i don't know if that mm, counts oh i had it the other day income. 
Yeah. Yeah, we were looking at it. Yeah, it's okay. on long term. I don't know if it's zero. I think it's ten percent up to forty four thousand. Yeah, ten or fifteen. But and there's then, something that you can do. Well, I know short term it's three thousand, and you can roll it over indefinitely. So it's like three thousand. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's three thousand per year or if it's three. But it's like, yeah, I think it's three thousand per year because that's the only way it makes sense in my head. But it's like, you can. Or that's losses. So you can take up to three thousand dollars in losses and roll that over. Okay, so long term cap. Hmm. You know what? I can look this up. Hold be, on. It might be if you have no income or your income is like I think if you're like married, it's like if you make less than eighty thousand dollars. Like let's say you're living off your capital gains and you have no other income then you have up to $80,000 of tax-free capital gain. Is what it, I think that's what it is. And again, not a tax expert. Consult with your accountant or <laughs> right. a tax lawyer uh, for, for verification on this. Don't say, I listened to Rollo on a podcast where he sounded really confused talking about capital gains taxes. As, as I was just saying, like, yeah, make sure you go learn about capital gains tax a little bit. I need to do that myself, apparently. Yeah, I but, should have uh, just saved yeah, screenshots of that so I could pull it up because I definitely had it um, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I know you sent it to me somewhere, but I don't remember where, and it was weeks ago. So yeah, it's, it's probably just in our DMs, which is why it's gone. We <laughs> 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 start separating by topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I don't know how much I want to get into the rest of what I have here. The last one's kind of pointless, and I have, well... I guess what I'll do is I'll just mention something that I've continuously mentioned on this show, which is that we should be holistic in the way we view our finances. So the way I've kind of taken permaculture and Bitcoin and thrown them together is to say, if you're a homesteader, like everything you're doing with that homestead is capital goods. And so it's long-term productive, right? Um, your consumer goods that go above and beyond just what you're going to eat, you know, whatever, uh, according to your paycheck cycle. So if it's, if you get paid weekly, everything beyond what you are going to eat this week, I would consider savings, right? Mm-hmm. So um, just my, my little thing here is, is to point out that like, if you're talking about an emergency fund and so, you know, we've done a really good job as Bitcoiners saying, Hey, get that emergency fund out of the dollar because the dollar isn't going to last for, you know, you're taking how many percent per month every time that you keep, you roll that over. Um, and what I would say as a guy who's interested in both is to say, first stock your pantry, your emergency fund is going to be like your food for the month. I would honestly say, Hey, like think about like three months. I mean, how long does meat last in the freezer? How long do canned goods last? Okay. Start thinking about that. And on top of that stack, and you can do both at the same time. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be hurting, you know, like I don't want to sit here on a pile of food and not have enough money to pay a medical bill. Um, And at the same time, I don't want to have a ton of Bitcoin and then find out six months later that the grocery stores are having shortages in chicken, which they've been having on and off for the past two years. So that's kind of my thing is like, we, we really need to be aware of what's happening in the supply chain and I uh, just want to give a shout out to both you and Slappy and to Car and Jacob for actually going out and securing local beef because that's a huge deal to yeah, me and I'm going to be getting on that when I get down there. I can't wait. It's we're we're expecting that in the beginning of April. Uh, I just there was a more local farm that I actually just bought uh, like 15 pounds of beef, um, but it's nice. got delivered yesterday, so I'm going to have my first uh, first 
a little bit of beef um, tonight from that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, and I really like that because, you know, if you don't have a, like disaster scenarios or something happens, mm -hmm. you know, you want to have some sort of security. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you feel better when you've got a freezer full of meat, or I do a lot of gardening, and so, and I've gotten into canning. There you so go. I've got a basement yeah, full man. of canned stuff, um, and you know I've made fun of the whole. Right, that's. Whole, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had you on so we could make fun of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't don't think that you're like defeating the state because you're not, you know, you're buying a few less groceries. Um, and in this, it was expensive for me to get the, all that going because the freaking deer are vermin and just oh, like, yeah. ravage. My garden so i had to build a big fence around it and everything and, and all that stuff like it's a labor of I, I it's a lot of work but i love doing it so right yeah um and i was actually surprised with how much yield i was getting and yeah. can probably get more yield but it's that it's that front front investment and saying that like i'm providing some food security for myself um and getting healthier food because i'm growing it and know exactly what's what's how i'm growing it and not using all sorts of weird pesticides and and sure. uh, uh and uh fertilizers and everything mm -hmm. um but at the same time if you don't have a green thumb or that like just doesn't interest you at all yeah. like you said just like make sure your pantry's filled you don't have to like do everything yourself right. but you know maybe have that three month supply of food in your house it, it's not like all in you know MREs and everything. And like, you know, <laughs> yeah, no. Effort. Like rotate it in. Like, you know, yeah. build up that that supply so you have that emergency fund, like you said, and then just start using that stuff, the oldest stuff first, and then when you go food shopping and stuff, you're resupplying that yep. that stock, and then whatever on top of that, because you, you know it's not all going to be like that. There's going to be more the stuff that's more perishable, but you know, having a freezer that can hold, you know tens if not a hundred or so pounds of beef um and then you know canned stuff and, and jars and everything and and whatever like it's the same thing with the get on zero whatever works for you make it work for your situation not everyone has you know a decent plot of property and the desire to go out right. and dig around in the dirt and fight weeds and vermin and everything else yeah sure. like whatever yeah, you're doing I, I really like I really sorry. I really like that point that you brought up there. That that your emergency fund is is not just money; it's also things that you're gonna need if you get cut off from everything else, and you sleep better at night, right? With all that. Yeah, and so like whatever you're doing shouldn't make your life worse. Like, um, absolutely. Our <laughs> our friend uh, Pat had a really good uh, point on his show sometime last year, where he's like, "Look, if I have." You know, let's say I'm going to store water, and I don't know if water was the example, but he's like, let's say I'm going to start storing water. And, you know, maybe I have 10 gallons, you know, in the corner of a closet in, in my house, and it's there, and I rotate it, and it's fine, no big deal. But let's say I'm going to store so much water that I have it stacked up all around my house, and I have to, like, squeeze through, like it's a, a hoarder house, and I have to get out the door and, like, squeeze, shimmy my way out. Like, okay, now that's affecting my life, right? That's not okay. <laughs> don't do that. But... You know all things in moderation but understand like how to uh 
how to view everything as a like i said as a savings account is kind of the way i like to think about it um yeah but and then you know to to sort of round this out is that the third part so i said permaculture and bitcoin and the third part of our show is community and we want to do a little bit more of that here in the future um and like you said not everybody's gonna have a green thumb so like if and and this is something actually i was thinking about the other day and i'm glad that you brought it up because i didn't wasn't thinking about it just now but people who garden always end up with way more than they could ever eat it just yeah. it's just how it works <laughs> so zucchini meat are so true there's there's like people uh, there's some places i've heard where like you go to church and you have to lock your doors to your car <laughs> if you don't you'll find zucchini on the passenger seat people are yeah. like trying to get rid of dude i was when i was at work uh i would always find like every week there'd be like a bag of like peppers and random vegetables on the table in the break room and it's because they just couldn't yep. eat all of it they were like i don't want it and i'm like okay so what we need to do if there's somebody in your in your circles that does do that encourage them to embrace it and make it worth their time to do it and maybe you're the bitcoin guy and they're the gardener you know something yeah. like that like it, just uh you know make friends with your neighbors and and do stuff that's all i'm saying yeah 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 it's important like i have one of my coworkers is my egg guy now he's got nice. a bunch of chickens and i buy eggs from and he's he actually just bought a couple of uh kobe uh calves so Ooh. he's gonna be raising uh cattle and okay. so I'm like, dude, sign me up. When I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat, eat the beef that I bought as fast as I can when that thing's ready. Cause and he and he wants to do pigs too. And I'm like, dude, like, because oh, my mm-hmm. uh, my property isn't enough for livestock of that size. Um, but uh, knowing knowing your your source of it is really uh, really useful. And the other thing with building community is is get people. It's tough for us as Bitcoiners and libertarians to like have like social connections outside of the internet it's really easy for us to to find each other on the internet and twitter and stuff and those are great tools and and it's valuable but like seek other people out that you in your area and that's difficult but one of the things i've done um that's been really useful um for me was creating a meetup and like you'd be amazed with how many people are just like oh i just saw this on the website and i showed up and they become great friends. Um, and so when you have meetups that are associated with Bitcoin, libertarianism, or permaculture and everything, you, you, you're able to find like-minded people. And those people have friends that they know in networks, and they can bring them along to it too. So, And since mm-hmm. it's a, a local meetup, it's, it's like your local community. So you can really start making strong, real connections like that. And... Um, you know, if times get a little bit weird or tougher, it's good to know that you have, you know, someone that's on your side that lives near you. Because it's one thing to have friends on Twitter that are going to support you. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to downplay that. It's important. It's good. Like, it's different to have someone that you can call up and say, hey, I've got a problem. Can you come by? And they say, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's something that I've been really frustrated with lately is like I, I've made some really good friends online and every time something happens, it's like, bro, I wish I lived there. So you could like just literally yeah. just yesterday I was telling somebody, dude, if I lived near you, I could have saved you like six hundred dollars on this fucking 
car uh, maintenance stuff that he had to get done. Like, there's a whole bunch of wheel stuff. And I'm like, dude, if it's wheels, that's literally unscrewing and screwing things back in with the new part. Like, <laughs> I would have done it for you for, like, 50 bucks and a case of beer. Like, yep. and you would have been able to buy the parts at retail instead of at 300% markup from the yeah. dealership. So yeah. I was, dude, I was so livid when I saw that he had to do that. But he's like, yeah, I, I don't know anyone around here who could do that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, the support system's huge. Yep. Yeah. Heck, oh, here's a, here's a cool example. Oh, sorry. Uh, here's a cool example, no, no, though. I, I uh, oh. <laughs> that just slight delay is enough to get us. But I was going to say, it's kind of tough to do. It's it's one of the more difficult things to try to cultivate, but it's, it's totally worth it. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, so just as a, like a good example is literally yesterday I was going to just do a basic oil change of my car and maybe work on some other stuff if I had time while it was warm out. And I get under there and uh, find out that my bolt the for the oil pan, just the plug, was rounded so i literally i couldn't get it off i didn't have a good enough wrench for it yeah. and my brother-in-law is a mechanic so he's like just drive it down to the shop at this time when we're done with our day stuff and i'll have like 30 minutes to screw around and he puts it on a lift gets it done for me in five minutes and then i leave and i'm like yes yep. that's awesome and you know i had the yep. parts and stuff so he was happy to help me because he's like yeah just drive it in here i'll take that bolt out and then you can pour your oil in it and it's all good i'm not you know i'm not upset about it because it's easy and you're not i didn't i didn't even badger him i was just like hey like i'm gonna have to get this bolt out and then my sister was like well let me call him right because i wasn't gonna bug yep. him but see how it works it's just it's it's easy yep life is good out and... yep yeah that, that it's funny and that is something i need that reminds me because oh. that <laughs> that bolt i have thought about like there could be a situation where somehow you know something something or like that situation you see it start getting rounded or something that like i need a spare mm -hmm. i need that I, I might have actually yeah. bought one actually but that's what i do i do that with lug nuts i bought a bunch of spare lug nuts and have them in my car with me just in case just in case yep. something happens or like you're on the side of the road and have to pop your tire off and you know they roll away and you can't find them anymore you don't want to be driving around without <laughs> oh, yeah. without lug nuts yeah so little yeah. things like that, that that's can, me uh, when i'm used getting corks ready for my bottles I always put five extra in there because I know one's gonna fall on the floor. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, it's it's that little bit of planning. It's it's and and that like. It's it's funny we're talking about this because it's it all ties in together. It's that mm -hmm. planning for that uncertainty in the future. Planning like spending a couple bucks for a couple lug nuts is you think it's like silly, but if you're ever in that situation mm -hmm. where you need a lug nut. Like, how much money would you pay if you watch your lug nuts fall down a sewer grate at that moment? <laughs> it's like yeah. I heard there was someone um, someone put, like, a, a diaper vending machine somewhere where, like, uh, at a park or where a lot of the families, you know, were. And it was, like, 20 bucks a diaper. And there, and someone saw it and was like, that's insane. Diapers don't cost 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of laughed. It's like if you have a, a parent who's got a kid with a dirty diaper and mm -hmm. they don't have a diaper with them – they're going to pay 20 bucks for a diaper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really so, funny how we, a lot of people will get angry about supply and demand, but we're sitting here as, you know, libertarians or whatever, and we're like, no, this makes perfect sense, and that's why I'm not going to be that stupid. Yeah, this is why you plan right. ahead. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Alright. Priced. Yeah. Probably okay. a good place to wind down. Yep. I think we've covered the majority of it. Um, Rollo, if you want to tell people where to find you and what sort of machine is best of the garden. <laughs> yeah, I gotta mention the tractor. <laughs> Thank you. Even if it's not my podcast, people would probably hassle me. Yeah, thank, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. This was, uh, I really appreciate you guys covering this topic, and this was a whole lot of fun. Uh, definitely something I'm going to post on the uh, Get On Zero Fiat website once you guys post it up. Yeah, um, awesome, thank you. But, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find me at Liberty Mugs on Twitter because Rollo McFlugel got killed by a tranny. Um <laughs> And then uh, also, you can check out the Rollo and Slappy Show, which is the podcast Slappy Jones and I do. And you can find that at McFlugel.com or wherever else, uh, wherever else you get your, uh, your, your podcast. And then uh, the aforementioned GetOnZeroFiat.com is where we're kind of amassing all of the Get On Zero stuff, the, uh, the Get On Zero podcast series that we're doing on the Rollo and Slappy Show. And anything else that any of the Get On Zero guys are... Um, are uh, doing we post that there just so it's kind of a one-stop shop for getting getting all that sorts of information so if if you know of any information or, or stuff that should go on there hit me up and and i'll get it posted up there hell yeah awesome, awesome. yeah i really appreciate you coming on this has been a lot of help for me just kind of having somebody to talk through with it yeah makes a lot more sense nice cool. i think all right all righty guys cheers peace and love <laughs>